0: Fereldis, Steve Zinsmeister. Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Mitch Fereldis. Steve Zinsmeister. duggying his way into this segment. Thanks, Trev. As I always do. Maybe uh, maybe our next guest can teach myself how to duggy if Steve doesn't want to teach me. Our next guest, Tyler Drake, our Arizona Sports Cardinals insider, one half of the Cardinals Corner podcast. They just dropped a new episode the other day with the main focus being where we're going to start today, Ty. The very, very slow off season that the Cardinals have had. First of all, hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing
1: good. How are you guys doing? Doing good.
0: And I just want to start there. And I know you and Eric did a bunch of talking about it yesterday. Your podcast is up now. But just your immediate takeaway from essentially what has been a mute offseason so far
1: you know yeah obviously it's it's slower than I think a lot of people would like it to be but you've got to look at the you know where they're at it's it's all uh it's kind of that rebuild process if you look at these one to two year deals you know not a lot of money attached they're kind of just getting ready to kind of turn things around down the line but yeah it's it's obviously it's very slow right now but uh, a, couple good, a couple good re-signings, and, and, and Antonio Hamilton's one of them, so I thought that was pretty solid. And then you got a uh, Kaiser White, who, who I think is probably the best outside signing this offseason for them by a mile, so we'll see where he goes. I think he's going to go right next to Zavin. so what does that mean with Isaiah? And that's a whole other you know a whole other ballpark we got to talk about, but yeah, uh definitely slower than most uh would like, but I think given the circumstance of where they are and where they want to get to, this is kind of it, it it was almost expected for me at least
2: I made an analogy earlier in the show that the Cardinals, if their roster was a house, then they have a foundation problem, which is probably the worst problem to have, and Mitch and I agree that the foundation is in the trenches. It's the offensive line. It's the defensive line. And when you have to fix a foundation problem, sometimes you have to strip it down to the studs and work on that foundation alone. And maybe that's where I'm the most surprised is I just don't see them making a lot of big moves in the trenches. I can't name a defensive line starting caliber player right now. I I guess Will Hernandez and Kelvin Beecham make sense, but are you a little surprised they haven't been working more in the
1: trenches in free agency? Yeah, but I think they want to get younger there, and I think they're going to do a lot of that through the draft and and maybe continuing to get these one- to two-year deals down the line for maybe not this offseason but next season to get maybe a bigger splash-type player. But, yeah, obviously I think the offensive line, honestly, I think they've done a decent job just because you bring back enforcer Will Will Hernandez, who I think is a solid uh, addition there, Resigning there. You've got Kelvin on the other side, or on right tackle. He's He's a solid veteran there, too. Um, and I mean, really, the big question now is, what do you do at center? And and do you do that through the draft? Do you bring somebody in? Do you do both? I think that's probably the best bet. Um, and yeah, you know, I really think defensively. Yeah, especially defensively with losing Zach Allen, there's a lot that has to happen there. And honestly, I think that's why I, that's that's why I've said it from the get go. You know, keep that third pick and take Will Anderson and have him help rebuild that defensive uh, front there.
0: Okay, I'm going to segue into that because you mentioned it and then I'll get to what I wanted to talk about later. But you recently posted. No, it's all good. It's all good. I promise. It's all related. You recently posted two stories, one, both of them, courtesy of the PFF mock draft simulator. One was a scenario where the Cardinals kept the pick and took Will Anderson and the rest of the draft from there. I want to ask you about the other scenario, though, because I don't know how the simulator works. Did you pick the trade partner in the Raiders? And if you did, why did you choose them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically all the picks I picked myself, I just kind of was going through, I I let the draft play out how it would through the first two. I had, I think eight different options to go with. And I decided I wanted to drop down a couple spots, but not far enough to where I could miss out on a guy like Christian Gonzalez or a guy like Tyree Wilson. So I said, Hey, number seven. And it was weird because the Raiders clearly jumped up there. They, they uh, grabbed, uh, Will Levis, I believe it was, and they gave back pick 70 in a first rounder next year. So it was who knows if that's even close to what you're going to get for that pick. But it was really interesting because I ran it again because I was just curious to see if it would go that way again. And it it just kept doing the same thing. So it was very interesting that yeah. that's 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 for another that's not even getting off the point point. But yeah, man, I thought uh, just making the trade, I, you know, I dropped down to seven. And I think Wilson actually went six. So I went with Christian Gonzalez and I thought even, you know, going secondary is rebuilding that, dropping him in with Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson could go a really long way.
0: So in your opinion, is that the trade that you would make if you were the one that was panning out that mock draft and not PFF? Or would you, for example, not go further than four with the Indianapolis Colts if the Cardinals were to make a trade?
1: yeah so shockingly, actually, so the Colts weren't one of the teams that were interested in trading for the pick, so that's yeah. one reason why I couldn't even get with them so uh that's one little other nugget, but I think you know for the cardinals, I think they can't go they can't go lower than eight, I would say that's that's kind of where I am at because I think if they decide to move off of Anderson or off the third pick, which I think they should keep it, take Anderson. Then you get into the Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson range, and I think those two guys are probably the best options after that, but I don't know if they're going to make it past the top ten.
2: We're talking with Tyler Drake. He's our Arizona Cardinals insider. Let's look a little bit bigger picture, Ty. So if this team, I'm just going to say it out loud, it feels like they're tanking the next season. They'll never admit to that. They'll never say we're intentionally trying to lose games. And they're probably not, but they're not making significant signings. And I don't know if I expected them to, but if they are in fact tanking this next season, should they consider, should they look at moving some of their more significant contracted players for draft picks. And that includes guys like Buda Baker, DJ Humphreys, James Connor, Zach Ertz. What do you think of that idea?
1: Yeah, you know, I think one side definitely you free up more cap space, but I think for the foundation of what the what they want in the offense, I think Zach Ertz and James Conner make a ton of sense. Humphreys restructured his contract, so I think maybe that helps a little bit in that area to where that, you know, that's, 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 actually, that's, a, that's a question that was going in the offseason. What do you do with D.J. Humphreys? But I think we might have got the answer with the rest- restructure there. But, yeah, definitely something you've got to look at. And especially if you go into the season and you really don't produce or really show a lot of improvement, you've really got to look at that. So it's going to be really interesting to see just, I think, through the first four or five games. And, and I think from there we're going to kind of get an idea of what's going to happen in the offseason.
0: Speaking of trades, where do you think DeAndre Hopkins ends up when it's all said and done? <laughs>
1: you know what? Here's my – okay, okay. Crazy, crazy conspiracy times. Put okay. your tinfoil hats on.
0: Let me, let me buckle my seatbelt real quick. All
1: right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, make, make sure you're in. Okay, <laughs> so I think what if, uh, what if everybody's just waiting for this Rogers deal to go through with the Jets, and then the Packers decide, hey, let's go turn one of those picks into DeAndre Hopkins, to pair of Jordan Love. Hmm. So like their first rounder this year, you mean? You know, that's, 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 I don't know. Everybody says it's not going to be a first, so you're going to probably have to look at a second.
2: Yeah, Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, says that the Cardinals are looking for reasonably a second round pick plus something else. That's kind of the package that got Hopkins to Arizona. Would that be a disappointment in Cardinals fans' eyes? Uh, it's
1: just for the caliber of player that Hopkins is, obviously I think he's worth a first rounder. I think a lot of people think he's worth a first rounder, but it's a business and you've got to, I mean, yeah, you've got to look at the Brandon Cooks. He got what, a fifth and a sixth. So I think he at least warrants a second and a third, but again, you've got to look at the market. You've got to see that. You've also got to realize that, who knows if he wants to be here or not. And that could be a big factor in other teams wanting to do a deal or, or offering less. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what really goes down. It's, it's kind of an everyday, uh, process now. I think
0: Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals lead writer for Arizona sports, joining us here on Arizona sports Saturday, uh, key dates coming up for the Cardinals. Which one are you going to have your eyes on the most
1: as the off season continues? Uh, For me, I think I'm just going to be watching the mandatory because I think that's when you're going to see everybody who's supposed to be there. I think voluntary, it's going to be interesting. I I mean, at the same time, I say that voluntary veteran minicamp, it'll be interesting to see who does show up. It'll be be interesting to see how they run things. It'll just, yeah, really, I mean, new regime and everything. So, I mean, practices could be different. Everything really could be different. So I'm just really interested to see them hit the grass and see what everything they're going to do. Is David
2: Blau going to be starting on week one? Oh, why did you ask that?
1: Holy cow, it's David Blau. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with Colt McCoy week one.
2: Okay. I feel better about that (laughs) than David Blau.
1: Not much, but a little bit better. Wow, the cow.
0: Ty, as always, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, all right?
1: No problem, guys. See you later. That's
0: time. Right, Drake, Arizona Sports lead Cardinals writer. He's got the uh, Cardinals Corner podcast that he does with Eric Ruby. You can find him on Twitter at T Drake Four sports. I hope I didn't screw up that. Uh,
2: if the Cardinals handle. are tanking, just tell us. Just say it out loud. The Rams are saying We, it. we won't get upset. The like, Rams said it, it's, basically. You know what it is? It's like mom and dad just like,
0: hey, we're not going to get mad if you tell us the truth. Just tell us. And then after they tell you the truth, they're like, all right, go to
2: your room. (laughs) (laughs) We are mad. We're not mad. We're just disappointed.
0: Uh, Speaking of mad and disappointed, you know what's got us mad and disappointed as of late with the Suns? Not the team. Some other constant factor that we'll get into next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona
2: Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I've seen a worse third quarter than last night. The Suns are up 11 at halftime, facing the Sacramento Kings, who I am now sold on, by the way, after seeing them up close and personal. I
0: think their magic number to clinch the playoffs, by the way, for the first time in 16
2: years, is down to two. Well, that makes sense. There's kind of two tiers in the Western Conference right now. There's the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Kings, who are all within five games of each other. Yes. Then five and a half games later is the fourth-place Clippers. And between fourth place and 13th place, there's only seven games. (laughs) This is a madhouse. Six and a half games. Sorry, six and a half games. a madhouse. So the parody that we've been talking about for weeks in the Western Conference is more evident than ever before. But when it comes to last night's game, and you're facing the Kings. You're down Aiton. You're down Durant, who will be back Wednesday, hopefully, according to Sham Sharania. That third quarter was abysmal. 45 points you let up in the third quarter. De'Aaron Fox gets hurt in the third quarter. Doesn't play the rest of the game. The non-factor. Kevin Herter is the guy going off. Really? I mean, he's a good shooter. Don't get me wrong. I knew that already, but he goes off for 29 last night. I get Sabonis is good. He's really good, man. I mean, I remember when there were those rumors a couple of years ago they were talking about Ayton for Sabonis at the trade deadline. Now it's like, "Oh gee, wouldn't and it be I'm nice thinking to back have like that? holy cow." <laughs> Could you imagine if all else works out exactly the same, you still get to rant, you've still got Chris Paul and Devin Booker and you add Sabonis? You know what else though? I think holy he, cow. I think he thrives in a system
0: where he's the first or second option, right? Oh yeah. Whereas in That's in, true. in Indiana we knew how good he was, but You know, he's always fighting with Miles Turner as to what position he wants to be in. He wasn't the best option on the team. Now he's in a place where he's the second or first option. And look at how well he's handling this offense. He's like Jokic level offense for
2: the Kings this year. He had nine assists last night, too. Yeah. I mean, this guy can pass the ball. What
0: is it? He's got 11 triple doubles this year.
2: Yeah, he's pretty good. But I mean, man, 45 points you (laughs) let up. I just can't get over that right now. And I will add this. probably the worst quarter the Suns have played, especially defensively, all season. I will add this. There were, there were
0: some moments where it was like, oh my gosh, are we dealing with this again? But there was very little about the officiating that affected last night's contest. Like in comparison to the Wednesday night against the Lakers where it was just absurd free throw differential and... Terrible call after terrible call. I think Gerald Bourget of PHNX did a deep dive on specifically that game. And he found that I believe it was all but eight of the fouls called against the Suns were true fouls. But even so, eight?
2: Yeah, if you're looking at just free throws in general for last night's game, the Suns shot 29 free throws, the Kings shot 32. So there's not a huge discrepancy in which team was shooting more. It's just that the Kings made 88% of their free throws and the Suns only made 76.
0: Look, I will say there were some moments where it's like, oh, Ed Malloy, can you please stop doing whatever it is that you're trying to do, whatever attention you're trying to get? But other than that, you know, there wasn't anything that really stood out to me as, that the officiating is the reason that the Suns lost. No. Or the officiating is a part of why the Suns lost. And I think it helps too that it does it didn't have as massive an impact on this game. Because guess what? You're probably about to deal with an officiating nightmare tonight in Joe Allen Bede of the 76ers. Oh, yeah. Who, by the way, dropped forty-nine in Golden State last night. And they still lost. That you makes think, sense. You think to he's though. ready to come into Phoenix and just drop 49 and lose again? I don't think so.
2: Because the reason I am not shocked he dropped 49 against Golden State is I I don't think of Golden State as a good defensive team down low. What? Kevon Looney? I'm not a, I'm not high what, on Kevon Jonathan Looney. Jonathan Kaminga? Nope. Just not high on those guys. I mean Draymond Green's a great defender. He's still a pretty good Jermichael defender. Michael Green? I'm no. obviously exaggerating. Continue. But, but to your point, the Suns currently without DeAndre Ayton, who I, I don't know, I haven't seen officially, but is he out tonight? I'm assuming he's out tonight. I can try
0: and dig for you, but he wasn't on the road trip, and I doubt he's going to play.
2: With no Ayton, you're relying on Bismack Biombo, who I kind of like defensively, and Jock Landale, who's really, he was more impressive offensively last night. Those guys against Joel Embiid, that's a tough matchup. That's a really hard matchup. And so, if I had to put money on tonight's game, i would probably go on the Sixers, which would make the Suns one and seven in their last eight. If I if I'm doing the math right, oh, well, it would be four straight losses as well. Yeah, and I think that four and six in their last ten would become three and seven. I mean, to your point, I I know that I'm like I'm saying exactly what everyone's been thinking for forever. So this isn't me reinventing the wheel. But this team has to get healthy. They have to get Durant back Wednesday. Okay, He so has to play. Let me pivot real quick. They have to get Aiton back. Durant back on Wednesday.
0: Let's assume that this report is accurate and he plays on Wednesday. It'll be his first game in Footprint Center as a member of the Phoenix Suns against the Timberwolves. He never played at home. Wow, I forgot injured. about that. He got injured at home. Remember? Oh, yeah. We had a massive build-up to KD's home opener. Wow. We gave away tickets. Apparently to yeah. a Lakers fan for some reason. And we might
2: do it. Well, we won't do that again. But we might give away tickets again to a ne- the next home game. But my point being, or my,
0: what I'm trying to lead to, what I'm trying to ask, does the last three weeks get forgotten if Kevin Durant comes back and the Suns just, I don't know, they win a majority of
2: the remaining seven? They get to Not play with Durant. Not forgotten. Because it it's the, the context of where you're at in the standings is sure, why it matters. sure. But, not forgotten, but I do consider them two different entities. I mean, when you have Durant and when you don't are two totally different stories. Because look at what they did in the three games they had Durant. They couldn't lose. Uh They couldn't lose. I mean, granted, two of those games were the Bulls and the Hornets, so it's not like they were huge matchups. But I think that you're a completely different team. The team operates completely differently. Look at last night's game. One of the most impressive players in last night's game, maybe the most impressive, was Terrence Ross off the bench. Human torch. No offense to Terrence Ross, but, I mean, he was 6 of 10 from 3. He had 30 points off the bench last night in 27 minutes. He was arguably the Suns' best player last night. They needed it. They needed somebody who could take the pressure off of Booker. I agree. Because
0: the one thing that's been lacking in this stretch with no Durant and lately no Aiton, nobody on this team has been able to take the pressure off of Booker offensively. And then it almost feels like he has to do everything. And the guys that do try to take the pressure off, respectfully, campaign, doesn't always work out in their favor. I, I don't
2: mean, expect Terrence Ross to do this again when exactly. he comes back.
0: Does he do it again tonight? No way. I, If he does, then I'll, you know... Call myself out the next time that we If he has
2: another 30 point game tonight, we need to start talking about Terrence Ross and working him into the rotation more when (laughs) Kevin Durant gets back. Yeah, no, I'm totally open to having that conversation if that happens tonight. But you and I agree that it's not likely. No. And that when Durant comes back, his role gets reduced. Uh, TJ Warren's role probably gets reduced. Josh Okogie will be playing more of a defensive uh, role, although that's kind of already what he does. No, no,
0: he's been their starter. Like, yeah. a, in a full five-man lineup with the roster that they have, he's been their fifth guy.
2: Yeah, but I'm putting him on whoever's the lead scorer of the other team. Sure, assuming it's over. He's the, he's the Jay Wayne Crowder North of North. this team from last year.
0: He's the you know he's the, what the Mikel Bridges was at the beginning of this year. He's you know, the one guy who he can contribute offensively every once in a while, although we're seeing it a lot differently with MiK Bridges now, but you rely on him primarily to shut down what is the team's best option right? You, you made a point about the rotation too. I'm very curious to see what happens with this rotation. Damian Lee has basically been out of the rotation for the past week. Ish Wainwright has basically been out of the rotation for the past two games. TJ Warren, who was barely in rotation is now all of a sudden getting almost 30 minutes last night against the Kings. And Monty had said before the Laker game that they're going to start to shrink up the rotation and, Really, truly get that tight-knit rotation. But it comes with the caveat that you're down your first center and your first power forward. So you can't really shut the rotation down to a nine-man rotation without your full health. Like, it's very hard to predict. But the
2: inconsistency, it's it's draining them offensively. It really Uh, is. Really quickly, you mentioned Mikkel Bridges for a second there. Last night he had or was it last night? Two nights ago, he had 32 points for Brooklyn. He now has eight games as a Brooklyn net where he has over 30. And that includes a 45-point night back in February. And I believe as a member of the Suns in a four-year career, he had only like three. Two or three, yeah. He's averaging 26 points per night. With the Brooklyn Nets. And I can't help but wonder if he was an untapped offensive asset that the Suns never really relied upon. There were times where he was, he was called upon, including this season. It. It's like they did rely on him this year. Uh-huh. A and lot. I think he got into a, a really good groove right before he got traded. He said as much. Um, but, yeah, 32 points the other night. The eighth time that he's done it, and he was just traded, what, a month and a half ago. It's Joe Johnson all over again,
0: right? My goodness. Coming up next. Talked with uh, Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals insider, earlier about the DeAndre Hopkins trade market. We perhaps have a frontrunner by own Accord. We'll tell you who it is next on Arizona Sports Saturday.
1: Mitch Borelis,
0: Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the
1: local sports leader. What we're hearing from Pac-Man's source says is, feels like Buffalo Bills fans have a reason to be excited, mm-hmm. but Falcons fans, I guess, in. Ravens fans, in. Raiders Davis. fans should know they're in. in. Anybody else? Patriots fans. Oh! Wow. What?
0: <laughs> if you've never heard the stylings of a Pat McAfee show before, that was he, joined by Pac-Man Jones, who is, I guess, this version of what Bryant McFadden was for Patrick Peterson. He's like all those years ago. Representative. Sure. Also, of. also the former cornerback in the NFL. So he's well connected. And he was the one that was able to get DeAndre Hopkins on the Pat McAfee show last week to be able to talk to them. Now he's kind of become like the pseudo. Hey, here's what D hop wants. So you heard the joke at the beginning where they're like, according to his source says. Right, because the joke being that he's, it's only one source. There's not multiple. Gotcha. But the first team that was listed in that grouping, Buffalo. That seems to be the new favorite in terms of,
2: uh, how do I properly phrase this, where DeAndre Hopkins might want to go next. I've been struggling with this for weeks because we've talked about Hopkins, no trade clause goes away. Because of the suspension last season. So while all these people, all these players talk about, oh, DeAndre should look for the best situation for him. Or uh, I'm sure he wants to play for a contender. I've been over here like, why does that matter? The, the Cardinals will trade him wherever they can get the best package. They don't have to trade him anywhere. He doesn't get a say. But the more I think about it, I think I overlooked one fact. Wherever Hopkins goes, that team is not going to give up a significant return for him unless they know he's there for the future. That could be a roster, uh, a uh, contract restructuring. It could be an extension, uh, whatever that ends up looking like. They're going to want him to be happy wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be happy going to a team that's tanking or a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Or he,
0: they, There was the report from Mike Garofolo earlier in the week that the money doesn't matter to Hop. He just wants to win.
2: Right. And look, do you blame him? No,
0: I don't. He was a quarter away, like a literal football quarter away from going to the Super Bowl. And the Kansas City Chiefs just boat raced the Houston Texans in that fourth quarter, and they went on to win that Super Bowl all those years ago. Hopkins has had a taste, and it's been a minute since he's gotten to that level. And I'm sure as an aging wide receiver, he's, what, 33 now? I think he's 30. I'm sure that's where he wants to get to is that next
2: level. I just think the question I have at this point, did the Cardinals tell DeAndre Hopkins and his representatives, uh, Pac-Man, Jones, maybe? His source says. says, Did they tell him, go find a trade partner? Seek a trade on your own. Go see who's interested in you. Come back and let us know. Or because there is no trade, no, no trade clause. Should the Cardinals be going out and making those calls, doing the due diligence and finding out what they can get for DeAndre Hopkins? Or is it both? It, because realistically it's probably both. They're looking for the best package they can get. DeAndre Hopkins is looking for a place he can be happy, and you hope that the two mesh together.
0: There's a story from the athletics, Jeff Howe, who did a he did a great deep dive as to why the wide receiver market has been very muted. This offseason in comparison no to last good receivers. year, right? And the good receivers, you're only going to find them in a trade. And he mentioned in there, if I'm paraphrasing what he said correctly, that the Cardinals have made calls. But the problem is, is that no team is willing to move for what the Cardinals are looking for something that Jeremy Fowler of ESPN pointed out yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future, but that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second-round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year, second, third-round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. Christian mccaffrey package. What did they get for McCaffrey? It was like, first of all, they a di- hall of draft picks. First of all, they didn't have to give up a first rounder, which to this day astounds me
2: that McCaffrey didn't get didn't get you a first round pick back in San Carolina. Fran relinquished a 2020 relinquished is a fun word, a 2023 <laughs> second round pick third round pick. And fourth round pick, and threw in a fifth round pick in twenty twenty four. So a two, a three, a four, and a five. Can you get that for Hopkins? If the second round pick is the most valuable one that you're getting in return, are you even going to get four picks? I this feels like a, probably not. This feels like a two pick max. I also think McCaffrey's probably a more valuable player to a football team.
0: Which is funny because weren't we just talking earlier about how running backs aren't seen the same way in the NFL anymore? Yes. Although, but McCaffrey's h- next level. Him and that Shanahan offense
2: is just, oh yeah, it it's beautiful, beautiful, it's beautiful. I listen. I think part of the reason too that you're not going to get a first round pick. Sorry, Cardinals fans, to disappoint those who are expecting one. The reason I don't think you're going to get one, and maybe even the reason it's hard to get a second round pick right now for Hopkins, is he's just missed games. Mm-hmm. He started what was it? Nine games last season, which means he missed eight. The season before, he played in 10 games out of what I'm assuming was 16, well, 17 if you count the playoff game. So, I mean, he's missed 15-plus games over the last two seasons. That's about half the games, a little less than half the games in the last two seasons. He has been unavailable, whether due to injury or his suspension. Is he reliable enough for a team to go out and trade their first-round pick and know I'm getting this guy for 17 games this season.
0: I don't think so. And that was after being the guy dubbed that he don't miss games by A.J. Green, right? And then what did he do? He missed missed games the latter half of the season. There was another team that was mentioned in there, the New England Patriots, in that five that Pac-Man Jones pointed out. Right. The Pats is the interesting one because you've got Bill O'Brien back there as the O.C., You've got a young quarterback who, if you're trying to lift him up, you might as well give him a good and talented veteran receiver. They went out and got tight end Mike Gesicki, but they lost Jacoby Myers. And then they went out and got Nelson Aguilar. And you're thinking, eh, losing Jacoby Myers and gaining Nelson Aguilar, that still feels like a negative as opposed to a positive. The problem is, according to the latest report from this same Jeff Howe article, is that he said the Patriots have cooled. And he was even on Cowherd's show on Wednesday saying just as much. Yeah, I don't think New England's a bad spot. Again,
2: they
1: called. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. They called early. I don't think anything is close. And I I think something substantial would have to change for them to pull the trigger on that kind of deal.
0: So, who in these two parties, whether it's the Cardinals in Buffalo or Cardinals in New England, like who needs to budge? who who needs to adjust their
2: asking price to make something happen well if you're adjusting an asking price that's the cardinals or if that's what needs or to or what happen. they're willing to pay i guess
0: yeah who who needs to adjust where who
2: needs to adjust what in order for something to happen if see part of the difficulty here too is that i feel like the package jeremy fowler is describing that the cardinals want is comparable to the one they gave up to get hopkins 3 years ago david johnson Four years ago whatever and- it was and I believe it was two picks. Second rounder, and I think they flipped a fourth and a fifth.
0: they got DeAndre Hopkins without giving up a first rounder. That's like exactly what with Carolina and San Francisco. Somehow, they got Christian McCaffrey without giving up a first rounder.
2: But that's, that's exactly what Fowler's describing. You would get a second rounder and something else. Now, that could be another draft pick later than a second. It could be a player. A player that this new regime, this new general manager really likes. That could be an option as well. Uh, So will Cardinals fans be bummed if they get the quote-unquote David Johnson package? Obviously not including David Johnson. But if you get that return now when you felt like you just completely ripped off the Texans when you traded for Hopkins. That's how we all felt. Mm -hmm. We were like, great job, Steve. Great job, Steve Keim. (laughs) That is a trade. Way to go. But if you... Get feel like you get ripped off if you get the same return here three years later. But I'm here to tell you, I just don't think they can get better because he hasn't played enough games in the last two seasons. Here's a
0: for one reason or another. So, as far as the second rounders, Buffalo has the 59th overall pick this year. Maybe they're willing to part with that. Maybe Kansas City, a team we haven't mentioned yet, but a lot of teams are, or a lot of insiders are saying, Oh, they would be a good fit. 63. In the second round, it's the last pick in the second round, but it's a second round pick. What about the New York Giants? Fifty-seven overall in the second round. Yeah. And they've got and they've just locked up their young quarterback. They have traded for Darren Waller as a tight end. Their their wide receiver rooms feels like a lot of slot guys, so maybe they're looking for an outside guy.
2: I've been suggesting the Giants as a partner in this trade for a while, for the last couple of weeks. I think I brought it up two or three weeks ago. But my reasoning was simple. It was if they had gotten Daniel Jones back, which they did, they have the quarterback, they have the cap space, and they're a team that was competitive last year. There's not a lot of teams that fit all three of those criteria. Have a quarterback competitive last year and the cap space to bring on a, a, a receiver like this and not have to give up a major contract in return. I think the Bengals are one of my wild card teams. Like they could do it if they moved off of T. Higgins. They have a crowded receiver room, but mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Jamar Chase plus DeAndre Hopkins plus Boyd, that's a nasty room. That's a competitive team. Pac-Man Jones might even like it. (laughs) You're setting Uh, up for Joe Burrow (laughs) is what you're doing, yeah. But the reason that I don't think it'll happen is because they have come out and said, we are not trading T. Higgins. Now, the Cardinals came out and said that uh, Josh Rosen was their future quarterback. We all know that things changed. But uh, I don't know if that's a deal that would happen. Giants make sense to me, though. Really quickly, Tyler, when he was
0: on with us earlier, Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals insider, he made a point about the Packers. Like, what if after the Aaron Rodgers eventual trade, it feels eventual, what if after the trade, they go around and flip one of the picks they get back from the Jets for Hopkins? The Jets have 42 and 43 in the second round this year. So you would get another top 50 player if that becomes available or the Packers also have 45 in the second round, which is still a top 50 player in this year's draft.
2: He's talked about how he went into the darkness and he was like pretty uh, sure he was retiring a couple of weeks ago, right? Blah, blah, blah. Matthew Stafford was in his athletic prime. Mid-30s, but he'd been dealing with a lot of injuries. But you knew you were getting Stafford for several years. The Jets, they're not convinced that Aaron Rodgers is going to be there long-term at all. He might be just be there for one season. They're on a year-to-year basis with Aaron Rodgers. Are you really giving up more than just one second-round pick for a guy you don't think is going to be there in a year? I don't know. I'm not sold.
0: Just want to pass this along really quick. Uh, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Jalen McDaniels, Daniel House Jr., all questionable. Ooh, questionable. So Harden, who missed yesterday, questionable. Embiid, who went off yesterday, but he's probably going to play because... I think Philly's chasing that one seed. I don't think you score 49 and then sit out the next Very interesting. Very interesting to see. Coming up next, it's kind of a weird week for ASU. Like, good and then not so good. We'll go through it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. Footnotes, the portion of the show where we just pack in all the stories we wanted to get to but didn't have time to get to. I actually want to start with the latest Suns injury report because I mentioned the Phillies. On, or the Phillies. <laughs> Phillies. They're playing the <laughs> Phillies
2: tonight? <laughs> We We could probably beat them at basketball. I mentioned
0: the 76ers injury report on the way out. Kellen, our own Kellen Olsen at Arizona Sports, has the full injury report. So I mentioned for the 76ers, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Daniel House, Jalen McDaniels, all questionable. Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, both still out. So no surprised. Not surprised, but not great. But it's official.
2: Not great, Bob. No, not great. That's (laughs) not a great matchup. Joel Embiid versus Jock Landale or Bismack Biombo. Biambo's had some good defensive
0: possessions, but it's very much like... I prefer
2: him defensively, and I prefer Landale offensively. I can agree with that. But neither of them are Joel Embiid.
0: Okay, so we teased going in the weird week for ASU. Yeah. So they lose on Friday, last Friday, against TCU. Heartbreaker. On Monday, I think, was when all the speculation was ramping up. Is like, hey, Bobby Hurley might go to Providence. After Rick Pitino left Iona, went to St. John's, Providence fired their head coach, et cetera, et cetera. And then ASU was like, nope, two-year extension. Announced late in the afternoon, I believe on the Tuesday. Cool. But then, now three players are all of a sudden transferring. And I've so entered the transfer portal. Who are the transfers? So DJ Horn, yep. who was awesome in the game against TCU. Jemiah Neal, who has been a great sixth man for the team this past season. And Enoch Boachie, who lost rotational minutes, but played more in 2022 than he did in 23. And you have a bunch of dudes graduating. Yes. You're losing Dez Cambridge. You're losing Warren Washington. However, speaking of Cambridge, Devin Cambridge is going to run it back for a fifth senior season. I guess that's good, but I'd rather have Dez. See, this this is the confusing part. It's like, okay, cool. We're keeping Bobby Hurley and we're keeping Devin Cambridge. But we might be losing DJ Horn, and Neal and Enoch Boachi and all the seniors.
2: Yeah, it was a like, very—I'm so confused. Roller coaster of a week. There's no doubt about it. Listen, I, in terms of Bobby Hurley getting a contract extension, good for him. You and I have talked about this. I think he's very good at finding the right players. I think he's a good recruiter at a time when there's not a lot convincing young kids to come play in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 is dying. We all know this, and yet somehow Bobby Hurley continues to get pretty good players to Tempe to play for him. I'm just not happy with the results. At this exact point right now, I'm now nervous about next season.
0: Whereas last week we were like, hey, but they've got all this, right? This week now
2: I'm nervous. He's going to have to prove it again with his recruiting ability. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll see where we end up when we come to the fall. I want to give love to the Coyotes, as I normally do, because
0: Clayton Keller is man on fuego right now. Keller is currently on a individual point streak of 11 games. Which is now tied for the longest in Coyotes history since they moved here from Winnipeg. He's tied with Shane Doan and Jeremy Roenick for 11 consecutive games with a point. Wow. It's pretty impressive for a 16-year-old. Can I can I add to it? it has got a baby face. So Keller, he broke Jeremy Roenick's single-season Coyotes record for points, goals, and assists. He is 79 after getting a goal against the Avalanche on Friday. He is only seven points behind Keith Kachuk for the single-season Yotes record for points. Is there any doubt Clayton Keller is the Coyotes' best player? Centerpiece. It's been pretty obvious for a while now. There are nine games left. Are you telling me that Clayton Keller can't get seven points in nine games to tie Kachuk and then eight to surpass it? Certainly seems reasonable. That would be awesome. That would be like um, among several different shining moments, not to steal from the NCAA, but several different shining moments of the Coyote season. This would be awesome. Please don't trade him. Please. (laughs) Like everybody else. Please don't. Um, Speaking of great moments uh, in this past week of sports... I'm running out of time. That was the Japanese call. Japan defeated USA in the World Baseball Classic Final. Shohei Otani struck out Mike Trout. On a 3-2 slider. Which Mad
2: Dog Russo said was not exciting. Mad Dog
0: Russo's a (laughs) dummy. He doesn't deserve the space.
2: No, I mean, listen, I think the way that the WBC went and uh, the excitement of the tournament, it invigorated the love of baseball for a lot of people. I know a bunch of people, even in this building, who were watching baseball who never watch baseball. It got me excited for the regular
0: season for sure. It's just a shame that the Angels won't get anywhere. And really quickly want to do this because this was funny from Drew Timmy after Gonzaga beat UCLA.
1: I gotta do whatever I can to fire this team up and fire myself up and if people have a problem with that then you know they can go uh, go somewhere else. So if you got a
0: problem with what he said you can go somewhere else.
2: Do other things. We gotta go do (laughs) other things too. Yeah we do. We gotta do other things. Diamondbacks baseball today though right? And I'm actually excited because I'm going to the exhibition games coming up later in this week. But thanks so much for checking out the show today. We really appreciate it. For my co-host, Mitch Vereldis, for Trevor Henry Behind the Glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.